0: Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome back to the Stargate Archives. Just me again as I jump back into Legend, starring Richard Dean Anderson. This is the first time I've watched the series. First time I've seen this episode. Legend on his President's Secret Service. Sounds like a good one. This episode first aired May the 2nd, 1995, directed by Michael Vijar and written by Robert Wilcox. And we'll jump straight in. And here we go. Close up of Ernest, or Nicodemus, depending upon the circumstances, proclaiming the exploits of Robert General Robert E. Lee. We're in Sweetwater, Texas, and it looks like. Oh yes, (laughs) definitely. He's got himself in a bit of bother. He's been, well, he's not being lynched because they're doing it wrong. They've got him tied upside down in a tree and it seems that, well, his last novel or his latest novel, at least was Ernest Nicodemus was a a Union cavalry officer and he's in, like I said, Sweetwater, Texas full of uh, men who fought for the Confederacy. Oh yes, tar and feather time. In the text, lots of sweet talking to get him out of this, I think. He tries to explain the fact that the book is fiction. He made it up. <laughs> and one of the guys points out, well, the war wasn't forced. The war actually happened. And kind of trips Nicodemus up a bit there. But I swear I've never worn the uniform. That's my head on another man's body. <laughs> That's it. No man's gonna insult my intelligence this way. There's no really explained to logic to these folk. He's not gonna win this argument. Yep, it looks like Nicodemus is in for it until horse, hooves, and the voice of a young woman, Abigail Steele, played by Leigh Lay Lale. with a sawn of shotgun, no less, and she knows how to use it. Threatens the guys, and uh, they kind of run away, and well, hands up, who isn't surprised that Nicodemus gets himself saved by a beautiful young woman. She gets off her horse to untie Nicodemus, he points out it's Ernest, writer of books, and she's laying on the southern charm, the accent is. Risen up a couple of notches. She's a fan. So, uh, Ernest isn't too happy about his publisher organising this southern book tour. Not long after the Civil War, things are a little bit touchy still. But never mind. Is Ernest saved or (laughs) is he falling into the hands of a mad fan? We'll find out. And here we get the plot of the episode. Abigail is a bit worried that her father may do harm to the president as he has his southern tour. Ernest points out he's not the same publisher. <laughs> Either way, she's not letting uh, Ernest down. She's got a captive audience, so he sits down on a tree branch and begins to tell him his life story as the credits roll. We return to the story. Ernest is back at the professor's, who's uh, in the middle of a madcap, mad scientist experiment with a lot of electricity. Ramos is helping him. The professor is intrigued at the fact that there seems to be something to the story that Ernest is retelling. Although he didn't go to see Abigail's father, so perhaps the president is in danger. I've got a feeling he is, otherwise this episode isn't going anywhere. And then we get one of the greatest references in television. Nobody wants to read a book about the melodrama of a, a young southern woman who has family problems and the burning of Atlanta. No, nobody would want to see that movie at all, would they? <laughs> the professor is encouraging Ernest to contact the president. After all, he does know about a threat on his life. If you hear something like that, you can't really ignore it. Meanwhile, a uh, bolt of lightning shoots across the uh, laboratory. Ball lightning, the very first time humanity has artificially created this phenomenon. As the professor says, totally useless. <laughs> it could change the world or not. But he's still going to experiment, like the model professor he is. Meanwhile, like a small child, he sends Ernest off with Ramos to go to the telegraph office and contact the president. Nighttime, and the saloon. Ernest is just leaving, counting a bit of cash. He meets a young woman, a woman of negotiable affection, Henrietta. He lays on the charm a little, mild negotiations take place. She's in room five, he's in room seven job done and then two federal marshals or secret service appear and will want to talk to Ernest oh well never mind his date with Henrietta is going to have to wait which is a shame really because she may not be discreet but she can keep a secret (laughs) Henrietta is played by Anna Arthur secret service guys Ruben Aaron Chadwick and Lynch Patrick McCord and off they go to Ernest's hotel room I can't recall if this is the same hotel room that he was in the last episode. I assume it was. The two agents ask Ernest a lot of questions. Already you're getting a little bit suspicious. In fact, the very fact that they know Abigail Steele's father. In some circles, he's considered a bit of a hero. Uh, That's not exactly how you would expect secret service agents who are tasked with protecting uh, the president of the uh, union at the moment. So, uh, yeah. I think Ernest had better watch out for himself. These two guys are a bit dodgy. But Ernest isn't thinking about any of that. Henriette is waiting. He gets a great big moustache comb out, does his little tash, does his eyebrows, and oh look, Abigail comes through the window. <laughs> uh, he lives a complicated life. Unsurprisingly, Abigail confesses that the two men work for her father after she told him she had revealed his intentions to. Nicodemus Legend, he got a bit upset, sent them guys to decide if they had to kill him or not. Typically, Ernest is distraught. (laughs) He always seems to end up in in a mess that's not his doing. Anyway, they leave the room. Who should he run into but Henrietta, who is a little upset, more so than you'd think, but I suppose she's lost a few hours' pay. (laughs) And it's up to Ernest to actually convince Abigail that Henrietta is a masseuse. Of a very, very, very unique Eastern massage methodology, yes, the nerve endings in his in his feet, yes, his feet,, <laughs> uh, fantastic, as they leave the building, they are accosted by the two guys and Daddy Abigail's father is here himself, Ethan Steele, played by Ken Jenkins, and in the dark, I couldn't recognize the face, but I knew the voice scrubs. The two men go to the saloon. Whiskey and Nicodemus. Ernest has his usual, which is basically tea but with whiskey in it. <laughs> I like the fact that they're actually carrying on this little masquerade that Nicodemus has to play. Or Ernest. I'm going to get rid. Get fed up. with Keep saying Ernest and Nicodemus. I'll probably have it straight on the last episode of the series. The two men talk for a while. Ethan is very smooth but there's an underlying current of tension and danger about the man. He's polite. If Ernest ever comes back down to Texas, he'll make sure there's a different reception for him. I don't think it's going to be tea and crumpets. Ernest is sensible, though. He's not writing anything about the story. He's not going back to Texas. He just wants to live his life right here, minding his own business, which has probably saved his life for now. Tops up his chamomile tea with the whiskey, and eyes Henrietta who is uh, playing roulette or some other card game. The night might not be a total waste after all. And surprisingly, Henrietta is up for it. I don't know if it's because Ernest has got the cash or the fact that she's just interested, but either way the two leave the saloon arm-in-arm, arm, ready and engines revving until Secret Service agent Potter turns up with an invitation to go and see the President. Henrietta is going to have to wait a bit. (laughs) I don't think she will. She will find other means to spend the evening. The legendary balloon is in full flight on the way to Pueblo, Colorado. They have a very interesting discussion about the merits of air power in the military as well as the... mm, So we say the the bribing of officials to get government notice. Professor being a foreigner doesn't quite understand why you'd have to pay somebody to get in contact with members of the government. I forgive the confusion of a foreign national, but I simply don't understand why a citizen of these United States would want to pay a fee to get the attention of his government. The camera pans around the railroad station. The presidential train is parked up. We go inside and see Ulysses S. Grant and Mrs. Grant. Mrs. Grant is played by Fiona Nula Flanagan. You've seen her in Lost, Brotherhood, and Defiance, and the President. Played by G.W. Bailey, you'll know him from the Police Academy movies, and more recently Major Crimes and The Closer. Excellent character actor. Amusing that Zrant actually tells the president to mention one of the books to Ernest, because writers are, are a little, hmm, what shall we say? They like recognition, they like to be known that somebody's reading their work. She then drops the president in it when she herself actually names his latest book and then asks the president which is his favourite. Oh well, never mind. Fortunately for Ernest though, after the wife has departed, the president offers him a drink, even though he's been told not to to keep drinking by the wife. And they have a chat about the colonel. Far more dangerous individual than we are led to believe. The president's known him from the academy days. In fact, they both had a thing for the wife. The president won out in that case. Could this be something more personal than uh, Just revenge for the loss of the war. Interesting. And then the bomb drops. The President asks Ernest to go to Texas to meet up with the Colonel and dig around for a bit more information. Ernest, of course, points out that he is not a Nicodemus legend and the President seems a little little upset about this. Thanks Ernest for his warning and departs the train. Potter then approaches Ernest, points out that Everybody involved in the assassination of Lincoln were hanged. And Ernest has been in cahoots with the colonel. So, yeah, Ernest is going to Texas. Was there any doubt? I've got to say, nice bit of camera work. He had the close-up of Potter. Very sharply lit. Very little emotion on the face. And in the background, more out of focus, Ernest, panicking, (laughs) a look on his face. Right that night the balloon let's see which way they will fly my guess is south (laughs) as the balloon approaches the homestead the professor gets out his latest gadget night vision telescope as he points out ernest actually wrote about this sort of technology in his last book and so the professor invented it simply a matter of finding the right elements are sensitive to infrared energy simple ernest of course is having a quick look uh, spots somebody in the uh, upper window Oh look, it's Abigail and she's undressing. Yeah we'll have a we'll have none of that now. <laughs> how will Ernest get down? I'll tell you how. Harpoon into the house and slide down. Straight through the bedroom windows of Abigail, straight onto Abigail who collapses onto the floor in her undies. <laughs> One hell of an entrance. Abigail of course, not too flustered. She is a woman that's going to be very difficult to shock. <laughs> well, well, what do you know? I really didn't know much about uh, women's underwear from this era of uh, history. But it looks like she has some sort of bustle on her backside to smooth everything over. To give her that rear shape. It's actually bizarre. Sorry, slight downvotion there. But it, it just seems a strange sort of undergarment. And of course, there's a knock at the door. Daddy's inquiring about the well-being of his daughter after he heard a big thump. And of all the excuses she could come up with, she was moving the bed. <laughs> oh dear, Ernest hiding behind the door in shock when she <laughs> came up with that excuse. You've got to say that Richard Dean Anderson is the man to make the most of visual inflections, double takes, all sorts of little things that add character to a character. Ernest needs some help, so he signals the professor, who gets winched down and they coordinate their. Well, not assault but infiltration of the bunkhouse where a secret meeting is taking place the professor gets another of his gadgets out basically going to amplify the sound waves coming from the building ernest puts on the headphones of course the only problem is the electricity that could be dangerous yep a bolt of lightning strikes the apparatus huge noise is generated the windows of the bomb blow out the side of the bomb is blown out And the bad guys come rushing out, guns drawn, and capture the three of them, including Abigail. Great plan, but didn't quite go as planned. Now, if the colonel has any sense, he will execute these two guys straight away, and bury their bodies. I'm pretty sure he has enough control of- Oh, more I'm saying he hasn't got any control of his daughter Abigail, has he really? Otherwise, she wouldn't have gone running off to spill the beans. My guess he'll probably tie him up and maybe use them as patsies. Oh, now there's a twist. The Colonel says he's not going to kill the president, not gonna kill anybody. He just wants to take him on a tour and show him that his policies are not working, that the decisions he's made during his eight years in term has been detrimental to the rebuilding of the South. Basically selling the people out to the corporations. Again, not a lot changes. Of course the Colonel may be be doing this with a good intent, but there are a lot of people around him who may not. Meanwhile, Ernest, the Professor and Abigail are indeed locked up, under guard, until the following day, when this plan, or whatever it ends up being, is uh, carried through. Meanwhile, Ramos, still in the balloon, still using the image enhancers, sees everybody running off, no doubt he'll be coming to the rescue any minute. Not a bad, not a bad life as a lab assistant. <laughs> Daring Indeed's Midnight Rescues, Very good for the resume. Oh, genius. They've got the ball lightning generator and Ramos spies at the two guards and takes them both out. Ernest and the Professor off to the rescue now. Abigail says she's going to go with them. Of course, Ernest points out that in his books, the, uh, the damsel, the uh, heroine, never goes to the final showdown. <laughs> Whereas uh, she points out that if she's there, there might not be a final showdown. And Ernest thinks that's a brilliant idea. He may write about a hero, courageous and brave individual, but Ernest is not one, he just tends to find himself in situations where he ends up doing the right thing for the right reasons, comes out on top. Again, some beautiful cinematography here. We have the four individuals on the balloon, and in the background a glorious sunrise. I assume it's back projection, but it looks fantastic. I mean, all the characters are in silhouette, it's just very, very nice. Dawn is broken, we get the iconic western locomotive, They're very different in design and style to what you'd see in Europe at the time. Of course there's only one way now for Ernest to actually rendezvous with the train, that's to get the legend wings out, the glider. <laughs> Not Ernest's favourite contraption, but he dons them and he jumps off the balloon and he manages to land on the train. Like I said, he gets himself into a mess but he gets himself out as well. Potter seems very gung-ho about defending the president, wanting to shoot on sight. Something a little bit shifty about him at the moment. You don't know if he's just very, very dedicated. Any threat to the president, he'll deal with it with lethal force. Or is there something going on here? It's probably a bit late in the episode to introduce another, uh, well not introduce, but spin a character in a bad way, but uh, I'm not sure, he's a bit dodgy. Anyhow, Ernest draws a gun, disarms Potter, and starts to uh, get the president and his entourage into the balloon. May I offer an alternative? No, I insist. Well, hopefully they'll be safe. Or not. (laughs) Oh, you've got to love it. We'll tail the train, but keep a safe distance. We don't want them to know we're there. You're a balloon in clear blue sky. Granted, it might not be natural for people to look up from the sky, but I'm pretty sure they'll notice there's a bloody great big balloon following the train. Fortunately, they don't. So when the train is pulled over and they uh, board, the Colonel is a bit disappointed to find only Abigail and Ernest on board. Good morning, Mr. President. I'm afraid you're going to miss your speaking engagement in El Paso. And at gunpoint, they take him to the President. The Colonel and Mrs. Grant, very friendly. The two men. Oh yeah, there is is history here. (laughs) Definitely so. Remove your lips from my wife's hand. Classy. Sir, you will remove your lips from my wife's hand. I believe the lady offered her hand. The lady would never offer her hand to a man without honor. And yet she offered a hand in marriage to you, did she not? Damn you, Steele! As they square up against each other, this could get nasty pretty quick. And they're proposing a duel within a minute of meeting each other. Idiots. And this is the time when Ernest butts in. They didn't bring him together for this sort of thing. Talk, gentlemen, talk. The two men are put in their place, both by Abigail and Mrs. Grant. Ernest points out that the whole idea was for the President to see the South, so why not take up that invitation? Just not at gunpoint. Mrs. Grant orders Potter to make arrangements, and as the President says, he always listens to his wife, who is very wise. And the Colonel actually says, yep, he totally understands that. Potter, see to it. Mr. President, just do as she says, Potter. On your way, son. On your way. I learned a long time ago, Kettledge, to take my wife's point of view very seriously. That is one thing we could always agree on. And maybe both these gentlemen from either side of the war, if they can agree on things, then perhaps other people in the nation can actually get together and really start rebuilding the country. They give thanks to Ernest. They point out that even though Ernest said he was not a diplomat, he was not... in in bed with intrigue he seems to have done a pretty good job sorting this out with no blood loss probably some bruises and scrapes from the barn exploding of course but that's a different thing nice music cue the legend balloon starts to take off and we get some good witty dialogue between the professor and Ernest to wrap up the episode Kidnapping the president, brilliant. You see, legend's voice is right there inside you. The only voice I hear says, I want a dream. No, it must be the other fellow, Pratt talking. Ignore him. I can't, he's thirsty. Once again, I enjoyed that episode. Legend on his president's secret service. Entertaining, nice story, good characters, guest actors did a fine job, very nice pieces of cinematography, good external sets. some nice location shooting... All in all, a very enjoyable episode. Okay then, next on the Stargate Archives, not sure. Maybe an episode of Atlantis if I can get Brad involved. We'll see. If you want to be on the show, please get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, at TheGateCast. We're on Facebook, of course, and Tumblr. Do a search for GateCast, you'll find us. StargateArchives.com is our web address. StargateArchives.gmail.com is our email address. So drop us a line love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, I've been Mike, bye bye.